Hello, welcome to Adapt, Episode 9. My name is Ryan Christoffel, and I'm joined by the one and only Federico Vitici. How are you, Federico? Hey, Ryan, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Today is a big day, in fact. Uh, this uh-huh. We're publishing this on Thursday, the 19th, which means that iOS 13 is launching today, which means that some of our listeners are going to have a lot of reading to do. Yeah. <laughs> um... My review is coming out today. Um, as usual, I am publishing the review on MacStories.net a few hours before the public release of the new version of iOS. So uh, I usually publish between my 4.30 and 5 p.m. Italian time, uh, just to give you know readers a couple of hours to maybe get through. Uh, I don't expect them to read the full review in a couple of hours. I don't think that's possible, given this year's uh, depth and length of the review. Uh, but maybe, you know, you can pick and choose. That's what's great about the iOS review layout on the site. There's a table of contents with a beautiful grid of chapters, and you can pick a chapter and start reading there. By, you know, by the nature of iOS 13 and iPadOS, the re- it's really, it's much easier than in previous years to just jump around chapters because there's just so many different features in the US. So it's, you know, and this is a theme that I discussed in the review. It was really impossible to come up with a single recurring theme, which makes it possible for readers to just jump around, pick and choose. You know, you can read reminders and then you can jump to, I don't know, files or Safari. There's some, you know, there's some threads that, that you know, I introduce, for example, in an earlier chapter and then I revisit later but I think it's much easier than in previous years to jump around and choose what you want to read. So maybe you want to read the, the shortcuts chapter in, in, in the couple of hours that you have before the release of iOS. Maybe you want to read about, I don't know, Safari or everything else, which is a collection of all the other changes in iOS. There's a bit of uh, everything for everyone. So I hope the readers will like it. It's been a as Ryan can confirm, it's been a long road to get to this point. Uh, we've spent hundreds of hours uh, editing this review, and uh, and I hope that readers will like it. Yeah, and one thing that should be clarified is today is iOS 13 release day, but iPadOS 13 or 13.1, whatever it's going to be called, isn't actually coming out till later this month on September 30th. But despite that, because obviously the original vision for this release was that iOS and iPadOS would come together, your review is going to talk about both aspects of the system. There's a really chunky iPad chapter where you get into things like Mm -hmm. multi-windowing and other new iPad features. And then, of course, with some of the chapters, the something like shortcuts, it applies to the iPhone and the iPad. But unless you're on the public beta, you're not going to get that iPad update today. You'll have to wait, you know, about a week and a half for that to come. Yeah, yeah. And there's uh, chapters, for example, like Safari, where I discuss the desktop class browsing for iPadOS or files. When I talk about the column view in the Files app for iPad, and all of those features will be available with iPadOS, as well as you know, iOS 13.1 will also introduce changes to shortcuts. So automations and and conversational shortcuts in Siri, all that stuff will come later. But I wanted to cover all of those changes this week because iOS 13.1 is pretty much done. I mean, it'll come it'll come out in ten days, 
So, you know, I expect a GM, if it's not already out by the time this episode goes live, I expect a GM to come out in the very near future. And as you mentioned, it was part of this original vision for the review and the original uh, story that Apple told WWDC with certain features and with iPadOS. And so it it felt right to have a single all-encompassing story that included both iOS and iPadOS and shortcuts and 13.1 in all of its aspects. So, and also I needed to clear, you know, to clear the decks for something else that I will be doing uh, at Mac Stories uh, when 13.1 comes out. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's the biggest review I've ever done. Um, two operating systems uh, plus, you know, all the changes to shortcuts, examples of my shortcuts and uh, automations. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff, and there's um, it was a lot of work. Uh, and I hope that you know, even from a visual perspective, there's a lot of changes in the review this year. Uh, you know, more uh, formatting elements, new graphics, new animations. Um, as I said, I hope that readers will appreciate what we put through, what we put into the review. And uh, of course, uh, you know, Club Max Stories members can get a few extras, but all the details will be available for that on Max Stories as well. So. It's going to be a big day. Um, I th- I'm, I'm very excited. But before, you know, uh, we, we, we need to talk about, you know, this episode of Adapt is not all about my <laughs> iOS review. Um, Ryan, why don't we talk about shortcuts? So here's my, here's my idea that I will bring up with you and with our listeners. Um, Years ago, when I was doing the uh, Canvas podcast with Fraser Spears here on Relay FM, we did a series on iOS automation, specifically about workflow. So we wanted to explain workflow to listeners. We wanted to explain what workflow made possible thanks to its visual automation environment. And we did this mini-series where we would tackle a couple of features each episode and go really in-depth on what workflow was like and what it enabled. Now, Shortcuts shares a common foundation with workflow. Uh, some of the underlying concepts are still the same, even though it's, it's a new app, it's got a new name, and a few years have passed since Workflow was an app on the App Store. But there's also a lot of changes, especially in iOS 13. Um, Shortcuts uh, has introduced a whole new editor uh, based on natural language actions, there's new system integrations because Shortcuts is now built into the operating system. Shortcuts is now a built-in iOS and iPadOS app. And there's a whole new layer of communication between apps made possible by this technology called parameters that allow different actions to communicate with each other, different apps to pass inputs to each other and pass back results to Shortcuts. So even though at a superficial level, it may look the same as workflow used to look like. Shortcuts, there's a lot of changes and new ideas and new concepts that I feel deserve their own proper explanation here on Adapt, especially because Shortcuts is a huge component of the work that we do on iPad and iPadOS. So I thought we could start a mini-series here on Adapt where we talk about some of the big changes to shortcuts in iOS and iPadOS 13. We don't know yet how many episodes that will take. Uh, we're going to tackle a bunch of features 
in each episode. And hopefully, you know, there's going to be chapters, of course, uh, in the in the episode, so you can refer specifically to each individual section in your podcast player. And by the end of this process, uh, ideally, there will be uh, a full collection of ADAPT episodes that explain shortcuts and everything that's new in iOS 13. So how's that sound, Ryan? Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense because lots of the other big changes that have come in iPadOS 13 are things that we've already talked about over the course of the summer. So we've already covered multi-window. We've already talked about things like desktop class Safari. And while I'm sure we'll revisit some of those things in the future at a later date, shortcuts is the big area that we haven't talked about yet. And there's so much that's new in iPadOS and iOS that you know, I know for me personally, I didn't necessarily grasp some of the changes initially when I was reading about them or when Apple first presented them. But getting to dive into your shortcuts chapter in your iOS review and also this discussion we're going to have in the coming weeks, I think will help give our listeners a better understanding and a better feel for what the new Shortcuts app can do for them. Perfect. Yeah, I agree. So why don't we jump right in? Uh, let's talk about the Shortcuts app itself and its unified library. So there's, a, there's an important distinction to you know, from between iOS 12 and iOS 13. In iOS 12, the Shortcuts app was available on the App Store. Now it's a built-in app. It's baked right into the operating system. So you no longer need to download Shortcuts from the App Store. But the other difference is that in iOS 12, there was this sort of philosophical separation between Siri Shortcuts and your custom Shortcuts. Siri Shortcuts were those single-action commands, single-action Shortcuts that you set up in, in different apps using the Add to Siri UI. So when you wanted to add an action from a specific app to Siri using a personalized phrase, apps could bring up this Add to Siri screen and you would assign a custom phrase and then anytime you wanted to invoke that action again, you would just speak that phrase to Siri and the action would execute within the Siri context. Uh, and all those Siri shortcuts were available for you to manage and modify or even discover new ones in settings. So you needed to go in settings, uh, Siri and search, my shortcuts, and there you would find all of your Siri shortcuts. And you could set up Siri shortcuts for all apps that supported uh, the Siri shortcut framework. So Twitter, Apple Notes, Apple Music, all of those single action commands could be managed from settings. Now. In iOS 13, Apple is getting rid of that separation. So all of your shortcuts, whether they are what used to be called Siri shortcuts and your custom shortcuts. So by custom shortcuts, I mean the, auto, the, the shortcuts that you manually create in the shortcuts app, you know, but with drag and drop by uh, moving actions around and all of that. So all of your shortcuts live in the shortcuts app, whether they are created with the add to Siri UI whether they are custom shortcuts that you manually crafted. So when you upgrade from iOS 12 to iOS 13, all of the shortcuts, all of the Siri shortcuts that you used to have in settings, they will be moved to the library of the Shortcuts app. And to sort of make this uh, transition easier, um, because you may be going, for example, uh, you used to have, let's say, 50, short, 50 Siri shortcuts in settings and 20 shortcuts in the Shortcuts app. 
with iOS 13, you're going to have 70 shortcuts, all in the Shortcuts app. Um, so to sort of uh, try to avoid this confusion, uh, Apple is putting all of these Siri shortcuts imported from settings at the very bottom of the library. So it's going to be very easy for you to, to see all of these new shortcuts that suddenly appear in the library of the Shortcuts app. And if you don't want them anymore, you can just select them all and delete them, or you can modify them because they are now effectively shortcuts that you can add actions to, you can modify, you can change their name, you can do whatever you want. So unified management of all your shortcuts in the library. And another uh, way to tell whether you're dealing with uh, a Siri shortcut that was imported from settings is those shortcuts will have the icon of the app that created the shortcut. So uh, if you had a Siri shortcut to open a Twitter profile in the Twitter app, that shortcut will have the Twitter icon uh, when it's imported in the Shortcuts app library in iOS 13. So it's going to be easy for you to tell whether, you know, what is a custom shortcut and what is a Siri shortcut imported from settings. Um, I think this makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I think it was confusing to have this uh, division between Siri shortcuts and custom shortcuts before. I think a lot of users couldn't figure out where to find Siri shortcuts in settings because they were sort of buried in the Siri and search section. It wasn't even called shortcuts. It was called Siri and search. And I have to believe that, that a lot of users had no idea they were supposed to go in there to find uh, suggestions from the system uh, for new Siri shortcuts to install as well as to manage their own Siri shortcuts. So by putting shortcuts on the home screen, making it a default built-in app, and unifying management of all shortcuts uh, in the app, I think it makes it a lot easier for a lot of people to understand where their shortcuts live. The shortcuts live in the app called Shortcuts. And I think that's so much better than iOS 12. So in addition to, to this unification of shortcuts, um, because Apple got rid of, the, of all those pages in settings uh, to manage and discover your shortcuts, they also had to come up with a solution to find suggestions for shortcuts to install. And those suggestions now live in the gallery page of the Shortcuts app. So the gallery that used to only showcase shortcuts and curated collections of shortcuts made by Apple still continues to do that. But now in addition to those, to those uh, custom shortcuts made by Apple, you can also find suggestions for new Siri shortcuts to install in a new section of the gallery that is called Shortcuts from Your Apps. So um, all those suggestions for Siri shortcuts from apps like Peacalc or Carrot Weather or Tweetbot or, you know, Bear, all suggestions for shortcuts that were donated by apps to the system, those can be discovered in the gallery of the Shortcuts app in iOS 13. Uh, you can also there's a there's a section of the of the gallery that shows you a list of all the apps that have donated um, Siri shortcuts, uh, but that list is not actually this is kind of confusing. That list in the gallery is not actually the full list of all shortcuts for all your apps. It's a list of suggestions. It's a list of shortcuts based on activities and actions 
that the system has seen you perform and is therefore suggesting you you configure again as shortcuts. But they're not all of the actions, all of the shortcuts that an app can donate to to the system. So the best way by far to see all of the shortcuts and all of the suggestions for shortcuts belonging to an app, whether it's an Apple app or a third-party one, is to create a new empty shortcut, tap on the apps category in the, in the action library, and there you will find a grid of icons. It sort of looks like a home screen. It's a grid of all of your apps, so in both Apple apps and third-party apps. And if you tap on an icon in the apps category, you will find a list of all the actions, all the shortcuts um, that an app supports. So you can go in apps, select music, and you will find all Apple Music actions. You can select Peacock, and you will find all of the amazing actions that Peacock supports in iOS 13. So it may be counterintuitive to an extent to not have this full list in the gallery and to have it in the action library in the editor when you're creating a new shortcut. But I think it makes sense in the context of, uh, and this is one of the concepts that I share in the in, in explaining my iOS review, I feel like Apple wants to provide you with a path from simple automation to more complex automation. And so in the gallery, they show you a subset of suggestions for Siri shortcuts. But if you want to see more, if you want to see a full list of all, your, of all the actions supported by apps, you need to move to the editor and create your first shortcut and explore. So you will find all of your actions and maybe you will get more comfortable with the idea of creating a new shortcut. So that's sort of the idea. You go to the library, you see all of the, all of the shortcuts made by Apple and all of the shortcuts suggested by the operating system. If you want to see more, you create a new shortcut and you browse the action library and you see all of the possible options. One of my favorite changes about the action library in the new shortcuts app is that Apple has kind of streamlined the number of categories that shortcuts offers for different actions. And so things that maybe in the past weren't technically called an apps category, such as health, for instance, there, there was a health category that was on its own separate from the apps category Whereas now in iOS 13, health is a part of that apps category because to the average person, you see health and you think, oh yeah, that's, that's actions that associate with the health app. Whereas in the past, shortcuts kind of you know, kept things a little more confusing, I think, by having health and there's a couple other ones set apart as their own categories. Whereas I think the average user who's opening the shortcuts app they're going to go to the apps category to look for actions that associate it with that. And now it's much simpler. Everything is in one place where you would expect it. Yeah, I agree. Totally. So before I talk about adding a shortcut to Siri, there's something that I need to mention regarding upgrading from iOS 12 to 13. Um, we're going to talk about the uh, the changes to the editor and what happens with the get variable actions in a later episode. There's a deeper discussion there about the new editors, the new editor and parameters and actions in iOS 13. Uh, But what I want to mention today is you need to be mindful of um, leaving iCloud Sync enabled for your shortcuts 
if you're upgrading only one of your devices to iOS 13. iOS 13 changes the file format for your shortcuts. In theory, if you upgrade all of your devices, so iPhone, iPad, I don't know, iPod Touch or multiple iPads, if you upgrade them all to 13, you will not notice anything. This, this, is, a, this is a behind the scenes change. You don't see any special screen. You don't need to manually confirm the upgrade process of shortcuts. But, um, and I'm trying to make this as simple as possible. Let's say that you update your phone to iOS 13 today. And let's say that you're using shortcuts both on your iPad and your iPhone and you have iCloud Sync enabled to share the same set of shortcuts between those two devices. You upgrade your phone today, but because iPadOS is not out yet, your iPad is remaining on iOS 12 for the time being. Now, the phone that has been upgraded to iOS 13, if you create new shortcuts on the iPhone, those iOS 13 shortcuts will not sync back to iOS 12. Well, that's no problem, right? It makes sense. They're using a new format that will not sync back to 12. You will only see them on the iPhone running 13. But if you modify in iOS 13 an existing shortcut that is both on the iPhone and the iPad, if you modify it on the iPhone, that shortcut will sync back to 12, but it'll break the format on iOS 12 because it'll be upgraded to a different file format and it'll become unusable on the iPad. So my suggestion for now, um, I guess I have two suggestions. Either disable iCloud Sync until you have all of your devices running iOS or iPadOS 13, or install the public beta <laughs> of iPadOS 13.1. That is literally the only solution. Either you use iCloud Sync uh, with, with the beta on, with iOS and iPadOS 13 on all devices, or you don't. Uh, be mindful of modifying existing shortcuts uh, that are syncing to iOS 12. Um, I know because I've been here myself, I left an iPhone, one of my iPhones that I used this summer as a testing device on iOS 12, and I forgot about the transition and the upgrade process, and it made all of my shortcuts in iOS 12 unusable, um, which needed, you know, required me to set up a new iCloud account for <laughs> testing purposes. It was a whole thing. Anyway, uh, be mindful of this when upgrading from 12 to 13 today. Um, add to Siri. I mentioned this in passing uh, regarding Siri shortcuts and donating them to the system. Uh, the Add to Siri screen is entirely new in iOS 13, and there's some major changes worth exploring here. First of all, there's a new design that makes it clearer than before the, you know, the correlation between cause and effect. The new design has two sections. At the top, it says, when I say, and then at the bottom says, do. So it's sort of like IFTTT, like it shows you when this happens, when you say this, then this happens. There's a trigger and there's an action. Yeah, I love this change because as someone who is not an automation expert like you <laughs> and like many other people, uh, IFTTT was actually the first automation system and platform that really worked for me that I understood and that I integrated in my life in a meaningful way and shortcuts now through this change to add to Siri but also some other changes regarding parameters and things that we'll get into maybe in a future episode just makes everything 
way more easy to understand. Lots of natural language,、uh, mm-hmm. showing the cause and effect. It's, it's a fantastic change. And I, I think Apple, knowing that Shortcuts was going to be a built in app this year that was added to everyone's home screens, it seems like they really took the extra effort to make the app more accessible to more people. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point of you know, the, the responsibility that comes with being a built in app and no longer you know, a geeky and sort of nerdy utility that you need to go to the App Store to download. Um, it, it means that shortcuts now need s to be as inclusive and as accessible as possible. And you know, many of the changes that I've covered in my review and that we will discuss here on Adapt going forward were sort of、um, you know, designed against that backdrop of where you know, shortcuts is now built into the OS and it needs to be as easy to understand as possible within, of course, the context of automation. Uh, but I think Apple did a, you know, did a very good job、uh, overall with you know, simplifying a lot of the interactions from you know, that all of the, you know, many of the design decisions that were in shortcuts in iOS 12 actually predated shortcuts, you know, going back to workflow and, and 2014 and 2015. So there was a lot of,、uh, a lot of baggage that Apple needed to you know, fix and redesign and rethink.、Um, In any case, add to Siri, the first major change is you no longer need to speak a phrase into the microphone. You can just type it with the keyboard. This is an excellent addition, in that, you know, as someone who has a bit of an accent, I always struggled with recording phrases with the add to Siri screen in iOS 12, you know, especially for specific names or、um, particular commands. Uh, Siri always struggled to understand me, and I often needed to record a phrase multiple times or maybe accept one of the suggestions、uh, that you know, Siri recognized. But now it's super easy. I can just type my command with the keyboard, and later I can invoke the exact phrase that I typed, and it just works. So, no more issues with Siri mishearing what you said, no more pronunciation,、um, you know, confirmation prompts. It's all very well done and it's so much more convenient. And it means I can add my shortcuts to Siri without waking my girlfriend at night because I don't need to randomly speak phrases into the microphone. I used to, Ryan, let me tell you, I used to, if I was, if I was playing with shortcuts at 2 a.m., And Sylvia was sleeping. I used to go to the kitchen to record custom phrases for Siri so that I wouldn't wake her up、uh, in the bedroom. Oh, wow. So, that, was so, that was so sad. Man,、really. well, you're going to have、yeah. to replace those extra steps, you know, that exercise that, that you were getting <laughs> some other the, way. The stand Hauer <laughs> with the Apple Watch.、Um, yeah, I, I got to think of something.、Um, maybe, maybe I can test, you know, hand off with the HomePod when it comes out.、Um, The other、uh, change in the Add to Siri screen, which you,、uh, which you mentioned a few minutes ago, is、uh, the, you can modify a shortcut before you actually add it to Siri.、Um, this means that the shortcut editor, so the, the action editor that you see in the shortcuts app, is now actually a system wide feature. If you tap on the Do section, Of the Add to Siri screen, you will be taken into a new page that looks like the Shortcuts app. But it's not the Shortcuts app because the Add to Siri screen can be invoked by any app, can be invoked by Carrot Weather or Twitter or Yelp or you know, all kinds of apps that support 
adding shortcuts to Siri can invoke that screen. But because shortcuts is now built into the OS, you can modify the behavior of a shortcut before you even add it to Siri. So let's say, for example, that you have a shortcut for Lookup, which is uh, an excellent dictionary app that I think we're going to cover in a few minutes for your challenge, Ryan. Uh, let's say that you have a, you're adding a Lookup shortcut to Siri, and that shortcut allows you to change using parameters, which we're going to discuss in a future episode, whether you want to get the, I don't know, the, the meaning of a word, or maybe similar words, or maybe the Wikipedia entry. From the Add to Siri screen, you can modify the behavior of the shortcut so that instead of using the default parameter, which I guess would be the meaning, it uses uh, Wikipedia. And you don't need to create multiple shortcuts as you used to do in iOS 12, each for a different behavior of the same action. You can just modify the action and you know, assign, it, assign the parameter that you prefer. Um, this is even more impressive when you consider two more aspects of this feature. You can get access to all the default magic variables that the shortcut supports, so the clipboard or the current date, from within the Add to Siri UI. So you can put the current date or you can put uh, you know, uh, the contents of the clipboard into an action without having to use the shortcuts app, but using the Add to Siri screen, which is an incredible change because it means your, you know, Apple has brought the power and customization of the shortcuts editor, at least parts of it, into any app that wants to use the Add to Siri screen. And in addition, uh, this means that you can fully customize all of your actions using a series of controls that are consistent with the shortcuts app. And in iOS 13.1, this will be even more impressive because if you leave ask when run set as an option for one of these parameters and you invoke a shortcut with Siri, you will enable conversational mode, which means you don't need to set a parameter beforehand. So in the lookup example, you can say, I don't know if I want to create a shortcut that retrieves the meaning or the Wikipedia entry or synonyms for the current word. I don't want to decide right now, but I still want to add this shortcut to Siri. So I'm going to leave ask when run as, a, as an option in the shortcut. When you run that shortcut in iOS 13.1, Siri will see, okay, I see that you left ask when run enabled, which means I'm going to ask you, do you want to get the meaning? Do you want to get the Wikipedia entry? And you will be able to respond to Siri and choose you know, the option that you prefer. And in this process, you never leave Siri. It all happens within the voice context of Siri on your iPhone, on your iPad, on your HomePod. You never open the Lookup app. You never open the Shortcuts app. It all happens within Siri. And that's made possible with the new Add to Siri UI with parameters, with conversational mode, it's a lot of different features that we're gonna, you know, we're gonna cover in depth in future episodes of this mini series. And you know, I think this is one of the most important changes to um, to to shortcuts and Siri integration this year. In that, it really blurs the line between what is Siri and what is shortcuts, and it turns out that it's all starting to live 
under the same umbrella in a way, in the sense that shortcuts, shortcuts from apps and your custom shortcuts, even more than before, are now sort of like features for Siri. So you can customize and personalize and, and enhance your Siri experience just by adding new shortcuts. So shortcut, so for example, Siri doesn't support, I don't know, um, converting between very specific types of units. You can just use pcalc instead. Or shortcuts doesn't support uh, giving you words that rhyme with the word that you're asking Siri to look up. Well, you can just ask. You can just use the lookup shortcut for that. So this idea of blending shortcuts and Siri and using apps as a way to supercharge your Siri experience, I think it's really powerful, and I think it's one of the most important aspects of shortcuts this year. And we're gonna talk about that more in depth. Um, and when we discuss conversational shortcuts and Siri and iOS 13.1. But for today, uh, I think this is, you know, as in covering the basics of the unified library and uh, shortcut management and adding shortcuts to Siri. You can already see how Apple put a lot of work into all of this. And, uh, but there's even, there's lots more to discuss. So we're going to Come back to all of this in the next episode of Adapt. We'll we'll uh, cover other aspects of the shortcuts app in iOS 13. Okay. Now, before we jump into the challenge, and you know, I think it's ironic that we are starting this shortcut series in the same episode that I have a challenge where you told me I can't use your Apple Frame shortcut that I rely on so much. But we'll we'll talk about what that means in just a second. Before we do that, though, I want to talk a little bit about something else which is that uh, during the month of September, Relay FM is working to support a very important organization, uh, St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Uh, it is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and St. Jude does amazing work to provide care for children who have been diagnosed with cancer. And I know that in the tech sphere, September is a very exciting month because there are things like new iPhones, there's things like new versions of iOS, a new shortcuts app, um, but it's also a really important month because we get to take this time to recognize a very important cause in helping raise awareness for combating childhood cancer. Um, there are between 180,000 and 240,000 children every year who are diagnosed with cancer. And St. Jude has been working to reduce that number with great success for many years now. Uh, treatments that have been invented at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80% since the hospital opened 50 years ago. They're doing amazing work, and they are not going to stop until no child dies from cancer. And so I bring all this up because we at Relay FM want to support the work that St. Jude is doing to continue to provide care for kids all over the globe. And one way that you can do that as a listener is by donating to that cause. You can go to stjude.org slash relay to make a donation to help participate in the work that St. Jude is already doing and help them continue this great work of providing care for children with cancer. Again, that's stjude.org slash relay. Now, 
Federico, you gave me a challenge. Uh, mm-hmm. Would you like to remind our listeners of what that challenge was for this episode? Y- yes. I asked you to get creative and create a hero image. So uh, the leading image for a Mac Stories article that's different than usual. So different from our usual style. And I told you, no shortcuts. Use a different layout than what we usually use on the website. So different background color or different templates, whatever you want to do, get creative and assemble a hero image for a story that we're going to be, that's going to be on maxstories.net without automation and by using a different layout than what readers can normally see on the website. Tell me how it go, Ryan. I must say right off the bat that I thought I was going to be even more creative with this than I actually was. You mentioned doing something that's different from the type of images we normally have on Mac Stories. And so I think in my mind, I was dreaming up that I was going to you know, create this, this great um, painting of some sort, digital artwork that is totally creative and original. And the more that I got into the challenge, that that definitely didn't happen. But I did make something that I think is more creative, that is different, a little bit at least, from the norm. And I did that by creating an image for a review of the app Lookup, which you've already mentioned a couple times. Lookup 6 uh, is being released today, in fact. And you'll see my review very soon, if it's not published already, by the time you're listening to this episode. Lookup 6 adds a ton of amazing new features for the Great Dictionary app on iPhone and iPad. There's all kinds of system integrations with what iOS 13 provides, such as system dark mode, new shortcuts options. But then there's also great other features such as quizzes, which I know is something you are really excited about. Yes. So be sure to check out my review when you can. But when you do, you'll see this image, which is linked in our show notes, of the hero image that I created. Now, my first attempt to make this image was going to an app called Linea Sketch, which I knew from using that app in the past that you can load up a template that includes these outlines of device frames for things like iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch. And so I thought, oh, that would be kind of neat to use the frames provided by Linea, which are a little more artsy, a little a little bit of a different style than what we typically do and what I do a lot with your Apple Frame shortcut, which uses the actual uh, product images provided by Apple for different devices. And Linea has all of these different background color options and texture options. So I thought that would be a great way to make something that I was happy with. But unfortunately, it wasn't a great fit because the device frames in Linea are really designed for sketching different app concepts. Um, When you're brainstorming, maybe creating an app, you can sketch with your Apple Pencil on that device frame to get a better sense for what's going to appear on screen in your app. It doesn't really work for putting actual screenshots in, which is what I needed to do for Lookup. And so instead, I turned to an app I've used for many years, but not as much in the capacity that I used it for for the challenge, which is Pixelmator. Now, with Pixelmator, what I wanted to do was manually add screenshots from Lookup 
two actual device frames. So those those frames that are provided by Apple of actual products. I wanted to do that manually, whereas normally I do it with your shortcut. And I wanted to put those screenshots in the frames onto a unique background, so something that's different from the norm. Uh, what, where I started was downloading the device frames from Apple. Uh, I downloaded them for iPad and iPhone because I was planning to do both, but I ended up only using the iPad frames for a reason I'll get into in a moment. Uh, on Apple's developer site, you can download a zip archive, which includes the device frames. Uh, fortunately, thanks to iPadOS, I got to download that zip archive natively with Safari and extract it inside of files without needing another third-party app. Safari and files can handle all of that now by themselves, mm -hmm. so that's great. Uh, once extracted, I was given uh, PSD files for the frames, and so I opened those in Pixelmator. Uh, what I did first is once I got the iPad frame inside of Pixelmator, I viewed all the different layers that are included in that PSD file. There was a layer that's dedicated to all the different elements found in the status bar at the top of the screen, such as the time, the battery, things like that. So I deleted that. And then I also deleted the layer that is kind of the pre-filled gray background that's used where your screenshot is supposed to go. What I needed to do in Pixelmator was take its color selection tool. So there's a special selection tool which can identify different colors in the image you're working in and kind of automatically select what it believes are different parts of that image based on color. Mm. And so I was able to kind of frame the inside of the iPad image where the screenshot should go by using this color selection tool to select just that part of the image and then delete it. No. Because in the PSD that Apple provides, that center part of the image is not a separate layer right. from yeah. the uh, device bezels. And so I had to manually remove that so that it would be transparent so that I could throw a screenshot into the actual frame. So using the color selection tool was a great way to do that. It worked really well. It worked really easily with the iPad. I tried to do it with the iPhone as well. And Pixelmator's color selection tool couldn't identify the distinction between the notch on the iPhone and just the black, dark gray uh, filler space where the screen yeah. is meant to be. And so because of that, I couldn't get an iPhone frame that was accurate to the iPhone itself with the notch in there where I could throw a screenshot in. So I wasn't able to use that in my finished product. So I stuck with the iPad frame, and once I kind of cut out the center of the device frame, I put my iPad screenshot from Lookup in there and adjusted the layers so that the device frame was sitting on top of the iPad screenshot. Uh, in Pixelmator sidebar, it's really easy to use drag and drop to kind of move around different layers so that the ones that are on top are literally on top of the layers below it. So I did that, and I exported the final image as a PNG. Now, I wasn't done yet because I wanted to add the PNG to a larger background. Uh, I wanted to have something that's colorful, a little more exciting than the normal transparent backgrounds that I use a lot in my Mac Stories articles. 
And as far as I know, you can't take an image in Pixelmator and increase the size of its template beyond what's already there. Mm. There might be a way to do this. I This is one of those things that for years of using Pixelmator, I've thought this thing, this feature should exist, but I haven't found it yet. And so because I wanted to set the iPad frame with a screenshot onto a larger canvas, I simply exported the image as a PNG and then created a new image in Pixelmator with the exact template size that I wanted. Yeah. So I made the template a bit bigger than the iPad frame with a screenshot. And I went to the format settings that Pixelmator provides for this new image that I was creating because it started out as just a blank white canvas. Went to the format settings. I toggled the fill setting on so that it would have a colored fill for the background. And Pixelmator provides a variety of options for this. You can use solid colors. You can use gradients. I went to the gradients list. And there's this really nice, colorful rainbow gradient that with one tap, I selected the gradient and I got the, the colorful rainbow background, which I think looks great, that I ended up with in my final image. So once I had that background in place, I added the iPad image, which was saved in photos at that point, put that on top of the background, and from there, I uploaded the image for use on Mac Stories. So it was a little bit more complicated of a process than using shortcuts. Mm -hmm. Um, Normally, I wouldn't have the background that I have now in this final image using shortcuts, although I'm sure that there's a way to do that too. But with the Apple Frame shortcut that you've created, which I depend on a lot and which I'll have a link to in the show notes, it's so easy to get a screenshot into a device frame. Mm -hmm. Without that shortcut, I had to go through the manual work and Certainly, it's going to be easier if I, let's say, continued not using that Apple Frame shortcut. It's a lot easier now that I've kind of set up different templates in Pixelmator. I've already got the device frames that I need. I've already cut out the, the center of the iPad frame, so I can easily put sh- screenshots in there if I wanted to. But again, like I said earlier, I wasn't able to make something for the iPhone because the notch was such a problem. And so using shortcuts is much, much easier. Um, But I was excited to have the opportunity to make the picture a little more colorful, a little more interesting. It'll stand out a little more on the site, I think. And uh, for that, Pixelmator just made everything really easy, especially compared to other apps that I might have used. Uh, There was actually a time earlier this summer when, because I was running the iPad OS 13 beta, uh, Pixelmator was having a couple issues on the beta, which have since been resolved. But I tried to find another app that let me work with layers in this way, that let me work with putting different elements, such as a device frame and a screenshot, together in a way that provides really simple cropping tools, that provides really simple export tools. And I couldn't find another iPad app that was you know, something that I was comfortable using, at least. I'm sure you can do this in some of the Adobe apps, uh, Photoshop-style apps, uh, maybe even in an app like uh, Affinity Photo. But Pixelmator really seems to be the best app that's kind of a mid-weight. It's not too simple. It's, it's got a lot of power in it, but it's not too complex. It's still pretty easy to understand. And so 
if I didn't have Pixelmator, I don't know what I would have done for this challenge. I'm sure it would have been a lot more frustrating than it was. Very nice. You did a you did a very nice job. It's a very cool image. I love the I love the background that you chose. Um, yeah, uh, I I was able to follow along. I know exactly what you did in Pixelmator because when I needed to create those Apple Frames shortcuts, I had to ask Sylvia to cut the 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 background layer uh, from the Apple PSD because I had no idea how to do that myself. So. Um, I think you you demonstrated a lot of the advantages uh, of iOS 13, especially when you know for downloading the zip file and you know importing that into Pixelmator. Uh, great job! I'm I'm impressed. You did a, you did a very solid job. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I did not have you know someone like Sylvia to cut out those those frames for me, <laughs> and so considering that, I'm, I'm I'm glad that it went as well as it did. But that said, I. I'm definitely planning to go back to using your Apple Frame shortcut because that makes everything easier. All right. We still have some time for at least a couple Ask Adapt questions. So let's dive right into those. As a reminder, if you send a tweet with the hashtag AskAdapt, then we will see that and we may answer your question on a future episode. Our first question for today comes from Bram. Uh, He asks, how often do you clean your iPad screens? And do you have a preferred product or method? Uh, He says, hashtag tired of fingerprints. I almost never clean my iPad screen. Uh, It's funny because I saw this question uh, yesterday and I was working um, outside of my home in another building where there was a lot of sunlight and I was using dark mode because I like to use dark mode when I write and having the sun shine onto my iPad screen while in dark mode really made clear how bad my fingerprint problem is and how I, I really should clean my iPad screen more often. Um, the times that I do clean it, I tend to just use maybe a damp paper towel or even like my shirt, just kind of wiping it to, to get the fingerprints off. I, I know that doesn't clean it as relates to germs per se, but it makes it look better, which is important. Um, Federico, do you clean your iPad screen very often? Uh, not really. Um, <laughs> I Like you, I just use a paper towel or like a shirt. Like, and like I, I try not to pay too much attention to it. I know that it's going to get covered in fingerprints after two minutes again. So every once in a while, I just clean it with my t-shirt. And, you know, I do the same with the iPhone. I try not to obsess too much over it because it's useless. It's, you know, fingerprints will be all over the whole display in a matter of seconds. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I find it's better to just, just ignore it. Ignorance is bliss. And otherwise, you're going to be endlessly battling a fingerprint problem. Uh, our next question comes from at Next Step UX, who asks, what are the best wireframing or flowcharting apps on the iPad? He says, I'm trying to use the iPad as a portable machine for sketching out app ideas on the go, but haven't found a solution that's very good. Federico, do you have any app ideas? Mm, so I've seen folks use OmniGraffle for this type of wireframing and flowcharting for apps. Um, it's a very, it's a very much power user solution. Uh, OmniGraffle is a real pro app from, you know, from the Omni Group. It's got a lot of controls, but I think it's got, you know, it's got um, 
design kits that you can install and you can download and install in Omigraffle. And I think there's a, an iOS wireframing kit, uh, if I remember correctly. Also, and this is the more sort of a hardcore option, I've seen people use extremely customized keynote setups. So app, the Apple Keynote app that you normally use for presentations I've seen people use it to sketch out app ideas and to sort of mock animations and transitions between screens using the controls typically reserved for slides and presentations, but for app mockups. So that's a more that's a more you know sophisticated and really custom option. But but otherwise, yeah, I would look at OmniGraffle. And there used to be a few years ago, if I remember correctly, something called Graphio. Uh, with an F um, on the app store. I'm not sure if the app still exists or not. But yeah, off the top of my head, I would say OmniGraffle. It's probably your safest bet. Yeah, and I don't have a whole lot of experience with this app, but Concepts is another great iPad app that may accomplish what you're looking for. Um, There's a free tier, so you can try it at no cost. And then there are certain advanced tools that are unlocked with a subscription plan. Um, if you want to go extremely simple, though, uh, I mentioned Linea Sketch earlier, and you know, for really simple kind of sketching out of app ideas, you can you can use those device frames that it provides, and uh, and use the pencil to your heart's content. Uh, Joel has a question about buying an audiobook online, not using the Apple Bookstore, and then playing that audiobook file inside of Apple Books. Now. Downloading an audiobook online isn't much of a problem, uh, especially in iPadOS with Safari's download manager. It's really easy, although honestly there aren't a lot of sources where you can find um, a website that sells audiobooks as standalone purchases. That said, downloading them isn't much of a problem, but unfortunately there is no way to get those downloaded audiobooks into Apple Books. You know, unlike with standard eBooks, inside of Apple Books, you can take an EPUB file and with drag and drop, drop it into the Apple Books app and it will import it as a book that looks just like all your other books that you purchased from Apple. That is not possible with audiobooks. Maybe at some point in the future, Apple will change that. But for now, if you want to use Apple Books, you will need to buy those audiobooks from Apple. All right, Federico, I have a challenge for you before we're done today. Okay. I was thinking about how we're starting this mini series on shortcuts and how shortcuts is one of those apps that that really is best understood when it's communicated in a variety of ways and I know that you are communicating about it in your iOS review. We are communicating about it here on Adapt where people can listen to us talk about shortcuts. But I want you to do something that's maybe a little more visual for our listeners. I'd like you to create a brief video. You can interpret brief however you'd like to. A brief video in Apple's Clips app where you highlight something having to do with shortcuts. Uh, I'm giving you a lot of flexibility here, a lot of freedom to do what you want with this. You can get creative. But I want you to take one of the concepts or one of the ideas 
that we're going to be talking about in our next episode related to shortcuts and explain it in some way in a clips video. You can use maybe a screen recording that's then imported into clips and you know, included in a bigger video. If, for example, we're going to be talking about something where you want to maybe show how a shortcut can have real-world effects in, let's say, uh, smart lights that it's controlling through the different HomeKit actions. Uh, you could take mm-hmm. a video of what's going on in your home, perhaps, uh, when you run that shortcut, and include that in the clips video. Whatever you want to do, um, make it brief. I don't want you to, to go too okay. deep into spending too much time on this, but just something that uses the various features of Apple's Clips app on the iPad to explain shortcuts in a more visual way for our listeners. How does that sound? That sounds fun. Um, I have some ideas. Uh, not too cruel, not too terrible, actually a fun one. So thank you. Yeah, we'll think about this. It'll be fun. All right. I'm excited to see what you come up with because Clips is one of those apps that I actually really like and I wish that I used it more often because uh, it, it provides a lot of fun tools to uh, annotate videos. You can do things like, um, I think I call it live titles where it will you know, take the words that you're speaking and um, via dictation tools that Clips has, it will put them in words on the screen to go with the video it makes video really simple um the the biggest drawback i think is that it still only supports square video which is not great but mm-hmm. i think that you know doing something fun with shortcuts could you know be fun for you and be an aid to our listeners who are maybe trying to grapple with one of the shortcuts features or concepts that we're talking about yeah absolutely yeah i'll think about it All right, this has been episode nine of Adapt. If you want to find the show notes for this episode, you can go to our website, relay.fm slash adapt slash nine, or simply look in the show notes of the podcast app you're listening to right now. To follow us online, Federico is on Instagram and Twitter as at Vitici, that's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. You can find me on Twitter as well. I'm at IRyan, T-L-D-R. That's I-R-Y-A-N, T-L-D-R. And you'll find us both writing at MacStories.net, where perhaps already or perhaps very, very, very soon, you will see Federico's mm-hmm. iOS and iPadOS 13 review. Uh, I think you're going to love it. All right, Federico, until next time, let's say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye. Bye.